DraftSociety.com presents a Premier League Draft Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to the Key Pass Collective. Your exclusive source for the information, analysis, and advice you need to dominate your fantasy leagues. Come on in. We've been expecting you. What's going on, folks? Welcome into the Key Pass Collective. My name is Joe Williams, and I'll be your host here for this latest Draft 101 episode. Today, we're going to talk all about waivers. What are waivers? What are the waiver systems that you can utilize in the draft fantasy game? And then also, um, we'll do a deep dive into one of those waiver priority systems we call FAB, which is F-A-B or F-A-A-B, depending on which one you use, free agent budget or bucks, or or free agent acquisition budget, or bucks. Again, depending on um, which nomenclature you use, it doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. So we'll do a deep dive into fab here at the end. I don't want to waste any time. This is going to be a long one as it is. Let's go ahead and just jump right in. First thing I want to do is talk about what are waivers, Um, because some of you are new to the draft game and I'm glad if you are, that you stumbled upon this pod, we're going to try to talk you through some of this stuff and help you through it. Um, so I'm going to start by saying this, obviously with the draft game, right? You're drafting a team. Okay. We're going to start very basic. I mean, people who've played the draft game for years, feel free to fast forward a couple minutes if you'd like to, but, um, you guys know you draft a team, right? Now, as you draft that team, no one else can draft the players that you're drafting. So you own those players on your team. So once that draft is over, right, you have a team of, let's say, 15 or 16 players. And inevitably, you're going to get to a point where you don't necessarily want all those players anymore. Or maybe when you were drafting them, you really thought that they were going to be better than they actually ended up being. Um, So that brings us to a point where you're going to need to drop a player you have on your team and you would like to pick up a player that's available in your league. Um, so obviously it can't be somebody that another, another manager owns, um, but a player who's available that might even be a player who is transferred in to the premier league, right? Because I mean, keep in mind um, the premier league transfer window is going to be open long into, well, about a month into um, the actual the actual league having started. So that leaves us with an interesting conundrum, right? How do we just have it be, um, how do we have it be something that is organized, something that makes sense and something that is fair when adding players um, and not have it just be the wild west where people can add whoever they want at any given time. Well, this is where waivers come in, right? Now, just know this, when you're adding a player, there are two separate types of players that you might add. And it's not types of players necessarily, it's just the designation that a player has at a particular time, right? So the first one is called a free agent. If a player is a free agent, it means that they have already been on waivers and nobody picked them up, right? So you can add a free agent at any time you want. Drop one of your players and add a free agent 
right? You can add a free agent at any time, um, completely free. So you are not sacrificing anything to pick up that player, except for the player that you are dropping from your team. Okay. With me so far now waivers waivers basically it describes a short window of time in which players are held up from being a free agent they're held up and they're going to go through kind of like an auction process right now why do we do this in the first place well think about it this way um i used to play in an nfl fantasy league and this was way, I mean, it's been going for like 15 years now. So when it first started, we didn't know anything about playing fantasy at all. We had no, no idea whatsoever. We didn't know about waivers or what they were. So we didn't have any. So here's a couple examples of things that like would happen. So let's say, um, you know, you're watching your favorite NFL team. For me, it was the Green Bay Packers. And somebody, you know, you're, you're starting running back uh, r- during the middle of the, this, the game breaks his ankle, you know, or something along those lines, um, gets a terrible concussion and and looks like he's going to be out for a couple of games, you know, and you can obviously extrapolate this to, um, football, to soccer, you know, you see that happen on the field and you're like, oh, yep, he is. Yeah. He's going to be out for a while. So as soon as you see that, what do you think of as a fantasy manager? You think there's an opening in that team. And somebody might be available in the free agents that I can pick up. So what would happen without waivers is players, while they were watching the games, would go in and immediately add that player, right? The other, the other player on the team. Um, because if there's no waivers, then players aren't locked. Um, and like I said, it just becomes crazy. It becomes the Wild West. Now, once you, once you played a player... Um, you're not able to drop him. So you couldn't drop the injured player, but you could drop a player who who hadn't played yet um, and immediately pick up that guy. So yeah, without waivers, um, it really becomes it really becomes just kind of a free-for-all. So what are waivers or how are waivers set up and, and when do they run? So normally what happens is, uh, and this is what we would recommend, I think, for most leagues. Normally what happens is you set players to go on waivers basically as soon as their game starts, right? So if they are not owned, if that player is not owned, then they should go on waivers at the kickoff of their game. doesn't matter if they're playing or not. doesn't even matter, honestly, if they're in the starting 11 or even on, on the bench um, because that team has started playing and any news that comes out at that point, you shouldn't just be able to go out and grab that player real quick because you were the first to get the news come across your phone, right? That's not super fair. That definitely favors guys who are glued to their phones and come on, we got jobs. Some of us have wives. Some of us have kids. Like you can't do that. You got to keep your league as fair as possible. Okay. So have waivers or sorry, have players go on waivers immediately when the games start. Now, players who haven't played yet, they shouldn't be on waivers. They should still be available to pick up because as the games go on, and this is part of the draw of of draft fantasy and the way that we play it on Fantrax, you can change your players, your lineups up until kickoff. 
So if you're just coming over from OFPL, from, from the official game, that's going to be something really new to you. Um, but trust us, it, it really, really is the best, most immersive way to play. Um, you, you, you can wait until lineups come out. You can wait and see if your guy's in the starting 11 before you decide if you want to play him or not. Um, and if you've got him in your starting lineup, you can move him out of your starting lineup if you see that he's not playing. Because why not? Why are we arbitrarily penalizing managers, fantasy managers, for trying to read the minds of a Pep Guardiola or, God forbid, a Graham Potter, right? (laughs) So, um, yeah, players go on waivers as soon as the game starts. Players who haven't played yet aren't on waivers. But then, you know, you can imagine by the end of the game week, by the end of the weekend or maybe Monday night, all players are on waivers because all players' teams have played. So they're all on waivers. So your league needs to figure out how long you want that waiver period to last. Okay? So maybe it's two days. Maybe it's 48 hours. Um, Maybe you have a particular day of the week that waivers run. So if there is a Monday night game, well then, if waivers always run on Tuesday, they're still going to run on Tuesday. If there's no game on Monday and all the games end on Sunday, well then you have a little bit longer to actually place your waiver claims, but they're still going to run on Tuesday. So normally we set waivers to run on Tuesday, no matter what, as long as it's a normal game week. Um, And then there should likely be another waiver period. This is what I prefer. um, Before the next game week. Why is that? Well, okay. So if, if waivers run on Tuesday, then all of the players who are on waivers that people want to try to pick up, you know, they will go through the waiver system. And however it is that you try to add that player to your team, either you get them or you don't, right? And so that's, okay, boom, there you go. Um, that's on Tuesday. And you know on Tuesday what your, what your team looks like now. All of those players who were dropped then go on to waivers, right? They're not just dropped to the free agent pool because sometimes teams drop a pretty valuable player that it's going to be worth you putting in maybe a waiver claim for that player. Um, because maybe that team was really stacked and uh, they, let's say they had a, you know, a ton of midfielders and they had a defender who got injured this game week. Well, maybe the midfielder they dropped is probably better than the last one you have on your team. So you drop your least good midfielder, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Don't worry, I'm an English teacher. Um, <laughs> so you drop your least good midfielder um, for the player that was, was just dropped by another manager in the league. So that's why, you know, players should go on waivers once they're dropped, um, from, from teams. So then that second waiver period would normally come about two days after, uh, that first waiver period. So you'd have about two days to look through the players that were all dropped. Um, and then you can make up your mind as to which one of those you want to add, which one of those, you know, you want to let go. And, all the other players, because they've already gone through waivers on Tuesday, remember, all the other players are free agents. So you don't need to pay any sort of penalty or or you don't need to pay any sort of, um, you know, any of your budget, quote unquote, um, or, or use your priority in order to pick that player up. Okay, so uh, you've got two waiver periods, ideally, um, before a game week starts two waiver periods, right? So that way you've gotten the waiver period for all the players who played, every single player, and that's early in the week. 
and then you've got a waiver period for the players who were dropped um, that you might want to pick up, you know, from another manager's team after they drop them. Okay, so hopefully you can see, right, at this point, um, it's important to understand that waivers are necessary. Waivers are something that um, in leagues, they're going to sort of keep kind of an order to things. And they're going to make sure that people don't get in fights over who got there first or, oh man, it's not fair because you just always get the first player because, you know, you know somebody in the industry or, you know, you have nothing better to do than just sit on your couch. You know, I have to work on Sundays and blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. You get it. Um, especially when there's money involved, man, these are things that can come up in leagues. So waivers are a, a, a good idea. Um, there's something that the draft game, I think, necessarily needs. And, um, and you know, they keep, they keep things fair for the most part. So that's why we really like them. And now I guess the, you know, the, the question is, well, when that player is on waivers and I want to pick up that player onto my team, what's the process what is the process for me to pick up that player off of waivers and put him onto my team? What do I have to give up, right? Or how do you know, how does the league know, how does the system know um, that I should get him over another player in my league or that another player in my league should get him over me? Well, there are systems that are set up and can be set up and put into place that do exactly that. And that is going to be kind of like the crux of what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to talk you through, um, there's three main ways that you can run waivers, three main systems that you can run waivers through. Um, all of them are able to be, to be run on fan tracks. And, um, and also, I mean, to be honest, like I, I don't want to only talk about fan tracks all the time because there's many platforms. Um, but, most platforms allow for this exact same thing. But no matter what it is, there are usually three different ways that you can you can run waivers. Um, I'm going to start with the kind of the most basic, and I will kind of lay out a little bit of the arguments for it, um, but then also some arguments against it. And this is, I mean, I'll, off the bat, I'll say this is not my favorite. This is not my favorite uh, waiver system. But um, my first year ever playing draft fantasy for I'm, t- I'm talking for football for you know real football for soccer um this is how we played because a we didn't really know any better <laughs> and b we were brand new to um to this version of playing fantasy football right i had played the official game before and to be honest i quit like halfway through the season because i was like yeah this doesn't hold my attention um but then i you know, uh, some would say fortunately, my wife, my wife would say unfortunately, found the dra- the draft game, and here we are. So, okay, the the first waiver priority system, and this is what we're going to call it, kind of wa- waiver systems, is a weekly rolling waiver priority. Now, first, again, let's rewind back to basics. We got to talk about what a priority is. Okay, when I say priority, waiver priority. What I mean is simply that we are prioritizing who gets a player before another manager. So if I have the first priority, that means I can be assured that whoever I pick up off of waivers, 
I'm going to get him because I know that I am the first priority. I have the first priority. And your league will literally tell you who has the first priority. It'll say waiver priority next to the standings. Um, and you'll see who has one, two, three, four, five. Okay. So when you do weekly rolling waivers, what this means is um, basically after every game week, the person who is last in the table gets the first priority, right? And when you say it that way, it actually makes quite a bit of sense, doesn't it? So this is great for brand new leagues and brand, brand new managers, right? This is actually really fantastic for those leagues. So if you are listening to this, you're just coming over from official Premier League and um, maybe you're just thinking about giving this thing a shot, then this might be for you. Because honestly, this favors... Um, every week it favors managers who are at the bottom of the table. So in that way, it, en- it encourages parity, parity, P-A-R-I-T-Y, parity. This way, what happens is every single week, you know, even if you're last for three weeks in a row, then you have the first waiver priority every single one of those weeks. You're going to be able to pick up pretty much whatever player you want after that week. Um, cause clearly your team is crap and you're going to need to drop players and pick up other ones. <laughs> So, um, this seems great, right? Uh, the, the person who's first, why do they need to have their choice of, of the player that they want off of waivers? They, their team is clearly good enough, so let's help the guys at the bottom. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, the only thing about it is, let's say, you know, last week, you were fourth. But, you know, we're really, really early on in the season. This is a hypothetical here. Last week you were fourth and you know you lost a you lost your your matchup and those three points or the lack of three points I suppose um, were enough to to boot you to the bottom of the league. This is like the second or third week in. And um, so now after this week because you're you're now last, you have the first waiver priority. Well, unfortunately this week is kind of the week in the season, you know, after week 3 or 4 when things really sort of start to get sorted out and waiver wire claims actually become a little bit less important because you're not really stumbling onto those hidden gems that nobody knew about during the draft. You're not really, you know, you're not really finding those like ultimate starters that are going to start every match. Um, at this point, you're really just looking for sort of replacement level players. So the fact that now we're four weeks in or three weeks in or whatever it is, and, and you have this first waiver priority um, just for this week, it doesn't really help you a whole lot. Now, if you could save that waiver priority and, and keep your number one waiver priority for, um, I don't know, weeks down the line when maybe a player gets injured, well, then that would be something. But that's not how we do this, right? This system has it so that it rotates every week, like I said really, really helps the people at the bottom who have, you know, maybe didn't draft so well. Maybe this is their first year. Um, they, they really didn't understand the idea of like drafting and where to draft certain players. And, oh man, they're struggling. And maybe, you know, you have a couple of these guys in your league. It's really nice of you. If you have three or four rookies in your league, it's really nice of you to set this weekly rolling waivers for them because then they get first waiver priority every single week. And this could be a selling point too, 
This could be something you could tell new managers or your mates who you're having trouble trying to get them to play the draft game. Um, they just think it's going to be too hard and they think that you're going to be so much better than them. Yeah, you probably are um, because you're listening to this podcast. But <laughs> at the same time, you can tell them that, listen, we've got it set up so that every single week you're going to get your choice. If you're if you're at the bottom, you're going to get your choice of pretty much whoever you want off of waivers. Um, and so this actually does can really help new I'm talking like green, fresh, new players. Um, now, hopefully the drawbacks are, are evident, right? And I've sort of already covered them a little bit. There's almost no strategy to this. There's very little, very little strategy. This is about survival. This is about survival for those managers who are at the bottom of the the table um, and, and really just trying to encourage them to be able to field a team that is somewhat comparable to the other teams in the league. Okay. So if all of your managers are brand spanking new, then okay. If you've got three or four rookie managers and they're re- like really going to need some help. Okay. Um, for every other league, I would say probably skip this particular type of waivers, uh, setup. Just because, like I said, um, you're not able to hold that waiver priority. If you are waiver, if you have waiver priority number one for you know one week, uh, and you don't really see any players that you want on that waiver wire for this week, well, too bad because next week if you win your matchup, you're not going to be in last anymore, and you're no longer going to have that number one priority because it's going to go to the next guy. Um, so yeah, these are the reasons why. You know, for the most part, uh, this can be fine. It's got its upsides. I hope I sold it um, because it's not all bad, but certainly it's not going to be the one that is going to uh, encourage strategy and is really going to hook people into like the adrenaline of uh, what can be a waiver wire day. Um, you know, like when when your waiver wire runs on Tuesday or whatever, um, it, it's something that people log in just to see who got which players and they'll log in at the exact time that it happens to see, you know, exactly who got which players. So this brings us, I think, because I, you know, I posted on Twitter that I was going to be talking about, um, different waiver priority systems. And I didn't see anybody asking questions about the weekly rolling waiver system. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and move on from that. And we're going to talk about just rolling waivers. Now, this is different than weekly rolling, right? This is just rolling waivers. So, what does this mean? Rolling waivers, I would say for most leagues, um, if you are not going to use the the next option I'm going to talk about after this, this is, in terms of strategy, much, much head, I mean, head and shoulders better than weekly rolling waivers. Here's the way that this works. Rolling waivers, they go into effect immediately after the draft. Now, the draft, most drafts are are what we call snake drafts or serpentine, if you will. Serpentine drafts mean that they go 1 to 10 or 1 to 12 or how many, you know, however many people are in your league, uh, 1 to 8. And then they go 8 to 1 or 10 to 1 
12 to 1, meaning that the people on the bottom of the draft order, so let's say 12, they get two picks in a row. Because again, we're trying to encourage that parity. We're trying to encourage um, the league to be as equal as possible. So that's why the draft goes down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. That's why we call it a snake, serpentine, okay? But um, many people argue that because number 12 misses out on a lot of that elite, elite premium talent, uh, that they still have had a tougher draft than the person who got number one or number two or three or four. So rolling waivers sets it up where number 12 draft pick gets the number one waiver priority, right? Number 11 gets number two, or if you have a 10 team league, number 10 gets number one waiver priority. Number nine gets number two. Okay. So what does that mean? Okay. That means that if I am number 12 in a 12-team league and I have this number one waiver priority, I know now that any player who is transferred into the league or any player who, you know, after the first couple of weeks of the season really starts to shine, I know that if I have not used that waiver priority, then I can use it at any time to get whichever player I want. Now, the reason that this is just called rolling and not weekly rolling is because it doesn't reset. That's the beauty of it. It does not reset. So that means that me as that 12th pick, I have that number one waiver priority, right? I can sit on that thing. I can sit on that waiver priority until I know I want to use it. So this brings up a really interesting scenario of like, you could keep that waiver priority for as long as you want. Hell, you could keep it till January if you wanted to, right? Just think, just think if you had drafted in the 12 spot, you were totally happy with your team. You sat on that waiver priority until January and you used that bad boy on Bruno. Like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that would take some major, major patience um, and some, some major strategy and also some major faith because we've seen plenty of, you know, January transfer windows that are underwhelming, we'll say, <laughs> to say the least. You're not going to get a Bruno every January, right? Or, or a comparable player like that. But let's just say you did, then tch, man, yeah, there you go. Um, so you can save your priority, right? Now, the only thing to keep in mind with, with this is you have to be really careful not to waste that waiver priority because it could be really easy for you to log in on a Monday night, you're tired or something, or maybe your team played Monday night, so you had a couple of pints, and, uh, and you just put in a claim for somebody, and you didn't realize that that player, instead of being a free agent, because it's Monday night, remember, all of our players are on waivers because they just played. So you actually just put in a waiver claim for that guy and use your number one waiver priority. Um, so these are the things you have to be careful of. These are the things you need to be aware of uh, is that, that you always need to realize that there's a difference between a guy who's on waivers and it'll say W next to that player in the players tab. Okay, so you need to realize that there's a difference between that guy on waivers and a guy who's a free agent. All right, so that is essentially the second type of um, waiver priority setup.
right? Um, so they're very similar um, with the, I guess, very distinct difference that the second one, the rolling waivers, not the weekly rolling waivers, just the rolling waivers, um, allows you to save and sit on that waiver priority until a player you know that you, that you really want becomes available. So, pardon me. So then after that, what happens is that number one priority goes to whoever hasn't used their waiver priority yet or whoever is next on the list, right? Um, so even if, let's say, uh, even if number 12 or, you know, the person who drafted 12, this is where it gets kind of complicated, but the person who drafted 12, let's say they sit, they, they're sitting on this number one waiver priority because they're really hopeful that some player is going to get transferred into the league. Um, so they're sitting on it. But the guy who drafted 11th, he's got the number two waiver priority. So that's still pretty good, especially because you know that that first person is going to really want to hoard that number one priority and keep it as long as they can, or at least until there's like a cash cow that comes into the league. So um, let's say that the, the guy who drafted 11th, who had the number two priority, he used it on a player and he you know picked him up. And because he was the highest, he had the highest priority, he got the player. Great. So then his new waiver priority becomes 12, right? And so the person then who was right under him, they move up one. So we have a new manager now who is at number three, or sorry, at number two. Um, and then that that number two, because they use their waiver priority, goes to the bottom of the list. And this is how we can describe it as rolling. Right, because you are essentially, you know, you think about. Um, I don't know if you, if your coaches ever made you do wind sprints, like uh, where you all got in a line and you had to run around the field, and the guy in the back had to sprint until he was at the front of the line, and then it just kept going that way. The guy at the back has to sprint until he's at the front of the line. Guy at the back has to sprint until he's at the front of the line, and you know, as soon as you get to the front of the line, you can relax again um, and like catch your breath. But it's terrible. It's 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 such. I mean, it's 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 brutal. Um, but that's essentially that image. You, you can picture it in your head. That's what these waivers do. They basically, except for its opposite, right? The one at the top will drop down to the bottom once they use it, and then everybody else moves up one. Okay. All right. So that's the second one: rolling waiver priority and. I would recommend this for, for many, many leagues, um, for leagues that don't really want to, you know, invest too much time in, in your league. Um, or you want to keep things kind of as simple as possible. You want to make sure that managers are able to kind of like settle into this draft game. Uh, and then you also want a little bit of strategy. You also want, you know, to be able to, to kind of like uh, log in and be really excited about what happened on waiver day. And if whoever the number one person is, if they used it or if they still, if they still have it and they're still waiting on it. Um, and then also if you didn't use yours, like, did you move up or not? Like what are, what waiver priority are you now? So it, it does, it creates for a little bit of excitement, which is fun. Um, but you know, obviously there's still a certain part of this Um and we're going to explain the, the third option in a little bit, which is basically having an auction for different players and how that works. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, this is, it's, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of value. 
Um, it's a, it's a good system and it does encourage that strategy, which is what we want to see, which is what we love about this particular game draft premier league. We love that there is so much strategy, um, and that there is so much more than just saying, okay, I got to find a way to get Salah and KDB and Mane in my squad, but I only have $2 million to do it. How do I do that? Um, and then every single manager on the le- or in the world is thinking the exact same thing. So this is why we love Draft Premier League, and this is one of the reasons. Waivers. Waivers are a necessary thing um, that keep order and keep us involved and, and engrossed in this game. So rolling waivers, I would definitely encourage, unless you fall into that category, like I discussed kind of with the first one, unless you fall into that category where you are brand, 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 brand new, like really, really new, um, I would recommend rolling waivers if you want to keep things pretty simple, yet allow for them to be some sort of strategy involved as well. All right, up next, we're going to move on to the third um, and final waiver priority system. And this is the this is the doozy. This is the one you're going to see people talking about online. This is the one you're going to see people arguing about. This is the one you're going to see people, um, you know, really stressing over and, and trying to figure out how much they want to spend on a particular player. Um, and this is called fab. First of all, what is fab? When we talk about fab, when you see fab, F-A-A-B, when you see it online, what the hell is it? Fab stands for free agent acquisition bucks. Basically, what FAB is, is FAB is a budget, right, that you receive at the beginning of the year. Every manager receives the same amount. It could be $100. It could be $200. Um, normally, I like to say, you know, make it 100 or more because otherwise every dollar becomes so valuable. Like if it's 20 for example, every dollar becomes so valuable that you're going to have a lot more ties, a lot more um, bids that are the same. And we'll explain why that's not a great thing later on. But um, yeah, so I would say make it $100 or $200, thousand if you want. Um, it's up to you. But um, the number really is arbitrary unless you know, you're talking about a lower number. You don't want to make it 10 because then if somebody bids seven, you know, you could have three people that bid seven on a player or three people that get bid four, etc. So anyway, okay. So free agent acquisition dollars, bucks, um, fab. It is a set budget that every manager receives at the beginning of the year. Now, instead of having a waiver priority, you actually bid on players So when a player is on waivers, and this very importantly includes players who are transferred into the league, and this means at the beginning of the season as well as in January, right? So you're all, I mean, I'm sure you're already thinking, those of you who are more strategically minded, you're already thinking, oh, okay, so that means I'm going to have to save some of my fab for January. Well, maybe. I mean, if you're that type of person, um... Otherwise, build out your team in the beginning of the year and make it as strong as you can and just roll with it. Um, There's a lot of different approaches, um, especially when it comes to fab, but that's part of why we love it so much because um, fab, using free agent acquisition bucks, makes it so that um, there's a lot more strategy that goes into the game. There's a lot more thinking involved. Um, There's a lot more consideration 
when bidding for a player on waivers, but it also doesn't hamstring you in the way that the rolling waivers does where, you know, in the rolling waivers, man, you're really going to want to hold on to that number one waiver priority because if you spend that, I mean, that might be the only time until, yeah, what, March or something that you have the number one waiver priority. It's like, it's hard to say. You never quite know um, when that person's going to spend that number one priority and when it's going to finally get back around to you. So FAB makes it um, very equitable and a very fair way that everyone, you know, is able to bid on the same players. So let's start with kind of like, uh, I guess the ins and outs of, of using fab. So first and foremost, uh, everybody can see everybody else's fab. Um, I can see your budget. If you're in my league, you can see my budget. You know, when I spend my money, I know when you spend your money on waiver players. Um, there was, uh, let's see, I think it was, oh man. Okay. Hold on. Um, I think it was Fantrax Iceland at Fantrax Iceland um, on Twitter. He was asking if there was a way to hide the amount of fab that the other managers in your league have. And I did a little research. I don't believe that there is. I don't believe that there is. However, um, when this is posted, if any listeners know of a way to do that, let me know. My other thing is, I don't know why you would. Um, I, I just feel like knowing, knowing what people have as their total amount is part of the strategy, but also no one's ever, no one never is necessarily going to spend the full amount of their fab on one player. Uh, there are notable exceptions. We could talk about those in a little bit, but nobody, you know, nobody's ever beholden to, to actually have to spend their entire amount on a certain player. So it's always, it's always a question as to how much somebody's going to spend. Um, and your bid based upon how much fab, you know, that they have, um, you're never 100% sure, uh, that you're going to get that player unless you bid a dollar more than they have in their total fab. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, which is fine. Um, I want to start with just how the fab system works. So let's speak in hypotheticals so that this content can remain evergreen and we can use this time and again, uh, no matter what situation we're in and no matter what fantasy year we're in. So let's pretend that we've had our draft, right? And there is a promoted team that maybe we don't know super well. So we're going to pretend that this promoted team, they have kind of an up and coming youngster striker who is immediately better than we all thought that he was going to be um, after the drafts, right? And it was only a select few really, really amazing drafters who saw this coming, but everyone else completely taken by surprise. Well, it becomes fairly obvious that he's going to start week in and week out. He's going to be an every week starter. He is going to be a player that is not only scoring um, goals now and again, but also, more importantly, ghost points. So he's got a sustainability. He's got a floor that is going to help him um, to maintain those fantasy points. This is a really, really valuable player. Okay? So I want to bring in this hypothetical player to my team. It's going to be a year-long play. Think about that. This player is going to be a year-long play. We're maybe two to three weeks into the season. I have a budget of $100. What am I to do? This is a year-long play. I'm hopefully going to keep this player on my team for the entire year. 
this is where we need to figure out our valuation. And this is where this bidding war starts. This is where FAB, I believe, shows its true value and why it is so much more fair than almost every other system. So if a manager came out of the draft and they were really light on forwards, really struggling, and it becomes very obvious that this player could be an answer to potentially one of the issues that their team is facing, which is a light forward line. Well, I mean, is it too much to say you'd give half of your budget for this player who's going to be playing for the rest of the season and likely starting every match, or at least that's what it's looking like? This is, again, the gamble that you're taking. Um, 30, 35 you know, maybe 40 even for a player like this. This is kind of what we're talking about. This is the, the general range that um, you're looking at. Even the waiver wire becomes this competitive aspect where it's like you are constantly trying to outfox and outsmart the other managers in your league. You will all bid. Whoever wants the player uh, will bid a certain amount of money and it'll come out of your budget if you win the player. Now, you don't ever get more money. So you need to use your money wisely. That's your money for the entire year. Okay, so when January rolls around, yeah, that's, this brings an interesting set of issues. So we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but first, let's talk through the other kind of intricacies of FAB. Because I know what you're thinking. Those of you who haven't used it right now, you're thinking, yeah, but... What if two people bid the same amount of money? Great point. So, FAB actually uses a rolling waiver priority. So, just like the last conversation we just had um, with the rolling waivers, number 12 draft spot gets waiver priority number one. Okay? And this is just a second uh, backup course of action. So... If I bid $12 on SAR and another manager bids $12 on SAR, whoever has the highest priority gets that player. You're still then charged the money, the, the, the manager who gets him. You're still charged the money. Um, but then you also lose that waiver priority, if that makes sense. So there's actually sort of like it's a, it's a, it's a second way of determining who gets the player. Um just in case there are multiple managers bidding the same amount. Okay, so the next question I think that comes to mind for people is what happens when you're out of fab? Well, actually, it's not the end of the world, to be honest. Um, at Ben Chickens on, on Twitter, he was getting in on the conversation, and he said, uh, seriously, at Draft, people might think the claiming world under fab ends when you get to zero. There are so many transactions that go in favor of small bids. And he is 100% correct. Um, I would say probably 80% of your fab bids that are successful are going to be between like 0 and $5. These are, are normally what you're going to... And, and yeah, like it wouldn't be the end of the world if you didn't get the guy, but eh, you think he has a good matchup. You're kind of keen on him for this week. And so you bid the... $2, $3, just to make sure you get him over somebody else who bids zero because they don't really care if they get that guy or a different guy. So that's sort of 
part of the game too is like how much each week on these you know small bids just just streamers streamer guys that you're going to plug and play um, for this week and then maybe drop them after after this week how much are you willing to bid on those guys week in and week out those those small guys if you will um, and that's part of that's part of the fab process that's part of figuring out the equilibrium like I said um, to, to how you want to spend your money and again what I would say this is part of the beauty of the fab system so let's start to get into kind of like more of the the strategy behind using fab right and let's start to kind of think a little bit through pardon me some of the scenarios of um, how you would use, how you would use fab. Like I said, the vast majority of your fab um, is going to be spent on transactions that are less than $10 because smart managers, I'm, I'm going to say smart managers here, although there are exceptions, smart managers are going to save a good chunk of their fab for these week in and week out transactions where, um, you know, oh, you see that uh, Musa Sissoko has had a couple good matches uh, and, and you definitely want to plug him in for the next match because they're playing Norwich, right? So obviously using 1920 season because um, it, it just passed. But yeah, and so, you know, you want to spend $7 on him. Like, okay, fine. And maybe another person you see spends five and so you feel pretty good about the fact that you got him for seven. There's going to be other times where you spend seven and you're going to see that nobody else bid on him. <laughs> And no, 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 you don't, no, you don't get him for free. Then you still spend your $7 because that's what you bid on that player. Um, you were the highest bidder because there was nobody else, but you were also the highest bidder. And you told the system, I'm going to give $7 for this guy. So you better believe you're going to give $7 for this guy. Um, so that again, those are some of like the, the smaller kind of week to week intricacies that, that you deal with. Now let's talk about Let's talk about the big purchases. Let's talk about the the big transactions that are going to take place. As I've already said to you, saving for a January transfer is risky because how many January transfer windows go by where we're all, you know, watching Sky Sports or we're watching, you know, whatever transfer center live stream that we have and we, you know, it ends up kind of just fizzling out. It's like when you light a firework and it was it's wet or something and it doesn't go off. That's the thing with fab. Do you really want to save in hopes of a January transfer window that is going to be electric? One that's going to actually intensify the season, one that's going to bring in talent that is going to transform the league. And you, there's no guarantee that that's ever going to happen. And in fact, I would say more times, more often than not, um, that doesn't happen. So... Those of you who are wondering about, you know, saving your your fab for January, um, again, it's a gut call. Fab spending your fab is always going to be a gut call. It's always up to you, as a manager, what your style is and how much risk you are willing to take on. For me, I'm a pretty risk averse person. I don't draft a lot of lottery cards. I don't draft a lot of um, question mark players. Um, so for me, I'm probably not saving that much fab for January. If somebody comes in, um, near the, you know, uh, September transfer window, I'm probably going to go all in on, on one of those players, maybe not all in, but I'm going to, I'm going to bid a good chunk if, if someone comes in. So 
again, these are things to think about, guys. Um, I, I'm not you. I, I, I can't tell you exactly how much to spend on a certain player. So um, I'm going to look at some of the other uh, Twitter the other uh, Twitter questions I had here. So transgression at T R A N Z G R E S H E N transgression. Um, he asked for people that are a lot less engaged in the league. The added complexity of fab is viewed as a negative. Is there any reasoning that supports the view that fab is a positive for those less active and informed? Um, I'm a, <laughs> this is not what you're hoping for trans, but I'm going to say no. Um, Fab is the usage of fab is heavily favored by those who are going to be more involved and by those who are going to be looking at the fab that the other managers have um, and the fab that they have available left and the type of moves they can make um, potentially even trying to include fab in some trades. And that's something I haven't mentioned yet, but you can actually trade fab so you can let's say i want to give you um a player plus some fab for a better player than the player i just sent you but i gave you that extra fab so you could you know you could be amenable to the deal yeah that's that's something you can do as well um so i'm gonna say that just the wheeling and dealing nature involved in fab and the fact that it's going to ask you to be a lot more cognizant of the other managers in your league and what they're doing and um, how much money they have left, it does definitely favor managers who are going to be more involved. So eh, I know I know you wanted me to say that like, no, 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 Fab is, fab is good no matter what because uh, even for the less involved manager, you know, you can just spend $100 right away and just, you know, be done with it. Get yourself a good player and just be done with it. Mm. Fab is, yes, a better, more equitable way to to run the waiver system. And there's never going to be a guarantee that the more money you spend, the better player you're going to get. It's just not the case. I would say temper your expectations. So if that means that maybe you don't keep as much Fab for January as you might have before hearing this, then okay. If I've not convinced you and and you're going to keep, you know, 55, 60 dollars of your fab for January, good on you. Good stuff. Just know that you are you're hoping, you're hoping for a January transfer that is I would say anomalous, that is not necessarily um the the common outcome of of most January transfer windows, okay? So just just know that. I mean there there is this is a talking point. There are plenty of talking points either way to say yes, save it. No, don't save it. Um, I would say spend it fairly evenly. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk through some of the other questions that people had, and then I'm going to wrap this up because um, I know you guys are probably all getting tired of just hearing me talk at you. So all right. Um, also, I believe this is transgression. He asked, um, my understanding is that there's a fab dashboard to see how much everyone has. Are there any strategic insights on how to approach this information? For example, targeting people low on fab for a trade deal. Okay, so um, to get there, you, you hover over the team tab and then you click on team info. Um, what's gonna come up is a table and that table is going to tell you about all the different fab amounts for each team. 
Um, I'm going to say as far as targeting people with, with very little fab, it's tough. It's, it's tough because you don't necessarily know how people value their fab. Some people don't like, I mean, you just, you heard Ben chickens in his argument. He said that, um, most of the fab transactions are going to be low dollar anyway. So valuing your fab or thinking that people overvalue fab or value fab to a certain amount, or maybe even just to the amount you do, um, you know, you, you could be, you could be thinking that to your detriment. You could be thinking that you're going to add fab to every trade you try to do and it's just not going to work, right? People are going to reject it because a lot of people don't want fab, especially after, and I would be one of these people. If you offered me fab in November, I'm not really interested. I just told you about my feelings on the January transfers. Like I'm not, I don't really care about fab at that point because we know what we know about the players. We know what we know about the starters. Unless there's a huge injury, there's not going to be like a huge waiver wire pickup that I'm going to need $47 of fab for. It's all going to be 12. It's all going to be eight, you know, $3 pickups. So these big money fab purchases, um, they really only come when there are transfer windows or when there's a huge injury and somebody goes down and it's very, very, it's got to be very clear that there's a direct replacement. Let's check out some of the other questions that we had. All right. Uh, extra fab in January. So this is Fantrax Iceland again. He's asking um, thoughts on adding extra fab for everybody in the league in January. I would say no, unless everybody is out. So if every single person is out of fab and you just want there to be more competition, then great, that's fine, go for it. But otherwise, that's a direct slap in the face to people who have saved their fab for the entire year for this exact reason, right? You can argue that late in the season, um, Champions League is ramping up, uh, Europa League is ramping up for certain teams, injuries are starting to pile up, and so these people who have saved their fab, they might have done it intentionally. And for you to then award fab to various, or everybody in the league just because, um, just because it's nice to have fab, which it is, uh, but that's a direct slap in the face to those people who have saved it the entire time because they're going to be able to take advantage, like direct advantage of the fact that everybody else is super low on fab, right? So like, this is what I'm talking about. You can't, you're undercutting people if you do that. If you give everybody else just kind of like random um, fab, you're undercutting people who have actually planned for this. Um, and it, like I've said already, it's not my strategy, but certain people do it. And so you have to, if you're going to implement fab into your league, you have to respect that, that people are going to use it in different ways. And some will end the season with fab left. And that's just the way that they manage their team. Maybe they've done a bunch of small purchases um, just week in and week out, and they've never had a need for a huge purchase. Great. No big deal. You have to let them use their fab as they see fit. All right. Um, and then biggest fab mistakes. Uh, this was from uh, our buddy Az in Japan, at AZJPN. How do you best ration your fab? I think I've talked about that a decent amount. Um I'm never going to judge anybody for their for their fab usage because it's such a crapshoot. Um, and I say craps intentionally because, 
like craps shoot um, because it, it's a gamble. It is a gamble. Uh, but those who use their fab wisely and those who are able to ration it and, and use it at times that are smart and also check other managers' fab uh, amounts and, and be able to leverage that or use that against those other managers, these are the players who, who master this fab system. So, yeah, I mean, there's, we could talk all day about this. There's, there's plenty to talk about, but I think just in terms of like a general overview of fab and some of the strategy surrounding it, um, I, I really hope that this sort of illuminated this fab system for many of you. Uh, I really do believe it is the fairest way to do things, and it's definitely a more in-depth way of doing things. So you're going to need managers who are bought in. You're going to need managers who are ready for the long haul and want to do this league for a number of years coming up. Otherwise, it's easier to just stick with one of the tried-and-true uh, priority systems. It's much easier, and it's, it's a lot easier to, to grasp and wrap your mind around. But if you want to level up your competition and, and make it so that people uh, can be invested in your league for a number of years and, and really up that level of competition, I think Fab's the way to do it. Uh, so... Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll, we'll let everyone go here for <laughs> after this uh, marathon episode. But we do appreciate you, you tuning in for these Draft 101 series. And we hope that this is helping people to understand the draft game a little bit better. This game that we do know and love. Um, as always, reach out to me at Draft. Reach out to the, the Draft Society. Reach out to the KeyPass Collective if you have any questions whatsoever. We want to do everything we can to invite people into this game and help people to um, build the league and, and build something that's going to last for, hopefully, with your mates, with your buddies, with people you just meet online years down the line. So that's the goal of this draft game. Build community, and that's kind of why we're here. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to everyone soon. Appreciate you. Cheers.